This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Army often turns to its soldiers for innovative ways to solve problems. The Army's 18th Airborne Corps has been conducting a series of what it calls Dragon Innovation Challenges over the past 10 months. The competition is modeled after the TV show Shark Tank. In the latest round, the Army focused on the challenge of soldier suicide. For more, Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni spoke with the 18th Airborne Corps Innovation Officer, Colonel Joe Butino. The idea behind this is that the innovation program, the Dragon Innovation Program, and the website that serves as its, its interface with our soldiers, families, and, and employees is that it lowers the bar to entry for good ideas. And so our thinking and the thinking of the command is that there are good ideas trapped all across the 18th Airborne Corps, across all of our units, installations, and across our 93,000 soldiers and our families. And we want to unlock those ideas and, and set them free and, and implement them into the world and potentially see them out in the wild having a positive impact on on the organization and across our divisions and potentially even even the Army. And all of that sounds like a, a great idea and resource for the Army, but how does it actually work and how can you, you actually cultivate these sorts of things? One way to do that is to provide a, a portal for folks to submit their ideas that bypasses the traditional bureaucracy and the pr- traditional barriers. And, um, you know, the barriers are the kind of narrow army organization and the structure of of army units and the bureaucracy thereof and chain of command and you know we're also finding that at some levels you know company levels and even battalion levels leaders may appreciate and encourage uh, good ideas as they do, you know, really hopefully throughout this, the 18th Airborne Corps, but they may not know exactly where to go to plug that idea into the larger gonculator to get it to get it moving and to get generate momentum. So this this bypasses all that. It does not bypass the chain of command, but it does allow a direct linkage between the the commander of the 18th Airborne Corps and the soldiers, families, and DA civilian employees that that he leads. And so really the idea, the broader idea there is that it helps us build a culture of innovation. So you've created a website, and how does this website working, and how is it bringing in people for this opportunity? And really there are two components to the to the website there's two there are twin tracks here to the website the website was actually formed initially around a specific challenge so we initially called this the 18th airborne core innovation challenge the idea being that we would introduce a very specific problem related to one aspect of life and or service and service, I should say, life and service within the 18th Airborne Corps. Folks would would submit ideas. We'd encourage the submission of ideas against that specific concept, that specific challenge, that's with, which had its own problem statement. 
at the end of that process, there'd be, you know, the, the, the books would close, you know, registration closes, all good ideas are in, and the Innovation Council votes on the best idea, and the commander awards the awards the best idea, and then that idea is then implemented. That the individual who submitted that idea is rewarded with, you know, kind of a package of of things to include a meritorious service medal, some time off, school of her choice, and th those are fairly significant for a soldier. The very first challenge is related to use of ranges, ranges, training areas, and uh, land writ large. Effectively, you have to use those the resources we have on these installations to, to build readiness, which is, of course, uh, our mandate to the country to build readiness. So we're, we're using ranges all the time. We're using land all the time to train and facilities all the time to train. And there are many gripes and, and, and inefficiencies within that system. It's a, it's a very centralized system, the range facility management support system, an online system. And then there are other inefficiencies with regard to the way that you go out to a range and sign for the range, how you close it out, when you close it out. We were looking for specific ideas on that. So that's the one bucket. As we were preparing to launch this, really just last week, you know, we were in the in the window to launch this, the Innovation Council considered, well, what about the full spectrum of good ideas? You know, let's get those, let's have a, 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 a bucket for submission of those they won't be part of the challenge, um, but they will be part. Uh, they will allow submission onto the site. Now we've created a second bin for good ideas writ large, and so we we just made that change in about like the 48 hours as we were as we were prepping their website to go live. And the second big bucket that can be anything. I'm assuming you know you could say my shoes don't work, or you know my whatever my standard issue whatever is not um, fitting correctly, or you know, there's a lot of people having this issue, or my spouse is doing this or that. It can be it can be anything. So it can be. That is true. It can be anything. Now, just one example is a soldier. I, you know, I'd never understood, even knew this was a problem. But there's a soldier uh, specialist, name of Shafelmer Kroll, who is a 88 Mike, which is a wheeled vehicle uh, driver, and she identified an inefficiency with regard to the transfer of military license from the school the big army school where we certify soldiers to come in to be 88 mics in uh, in the army, in specific units in the army, and then th th those the licensing there doesn't transfer to the specific unit. So her idea is along the lines of a, a coordination with the school from the incoming unit for a universal license. So the soldier arrives at the unit, has already been trained by the army on this piece of equipment, and is operationally ready to support and ready to uh, support that unit's combat mission. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's been almost a two-way street in the sense that the Internet kind of created this medium for people to express their ideas freely and, and in a cheaper fashion, right? And the leadership has, instead of looking at that as an adversarial role, has taken it in a way that where it can you know, bring those ideas up and uh, use them to, to its advantage, right? Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely right, and, that, and that's I think effective leadership. That's innovative leadership, which is what which is what a culture of innovation um, 
requires. Uh, and so, you know, you're seeing that you're, you are seeing that across the army. You're seeing that, um, you know, when I was at, when I was in the Pentagon, I saw and working for um, the Department of Defense. You, you know, you're seeing that among other services as well. Here, we're focused, of course, on the Army and on the 18th Airborne Corps. But yeah, that's the kind of leadership that leads to a, a culture of innovation. You can't fear uh, information. You have to embrace information. You can't fear good ideas. You have to embrace and encourage and reward good ideas. And that's what we're doing uh, with the Dragon Innovation Program. Army Colonel Joe Buccino, Innovation Officer and Spokesman for the 18th Airborne Corps, speaking with Federal News Network Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, you think about a pandemic, for example, that has uh, placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is sort of lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And, and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a, a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented a terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina, uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a rural school. 
And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to, to fight for change. And that was, that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there have been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, 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 the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it, it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you, even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Cha- Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community, uh, inspired by that tragedy. And now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of of them, of of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, Who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values, but the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream which we often define and think of his big I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that that attribute, I think, is one that that I embody. I mean, I, I I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic! And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give? to feds looking to develop leadership skills. And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? 
Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce, and I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Shane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are the hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, um, and, 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 and so I think that's a lesson for me. If there was some advice and counsel I could give is to continue to do your work, but, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.